since the last podcast, but I'm back to being able to do them consistently again now. Um, you know, I left Eastern Europe between last time I talked to you guys and now. Um, I'm back in Asia now. Um, I had been in Poland and Latvia. Um, I was in Latvia all summer uh, training with uh, my Russian powerlifter friend there. Um, that was that was good. But, you know, I don't know about Europe for me, like for my temperament. You know, I spent three years in Europe living there now. And it's too it's too like liberal and, and stuff like that for me there. Um, I'm into like real authentic freedom, not like, um, you know, businessmen and oligarchs deciding uh, to put certain politicians who are their allies on the ballot and then you being able to go to a voting place and cast a vote and then having those people have that you voted for have no do nothing that you want to do and then saying that that's democracy and that's freedom <laughs> I really like don't agree with the the philosophies of, of the West and and it just doesn't work for me um, living in it because I feel like I'm just like fucking living in fucking Alice in Wonderland <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm back in Asia I feel so much better. Oh my God. I feel so much better. It's just freaking ridiculous. <laughs> so it's like being in Europe is like a small form of hell. Um, but then the other thing is I'm in the middle of a rainstorm right now. So if you guys feel hear like some static noise or something, that's what it is. Uh, anyways, you know, whatever bodybuilding questions you guys have for me, or if you want to ask me questions about, you know, my, my travels or, or whatever, um, you know, just um, Chicken Rice and Trend is online. Great. Um, you know, just ask me questions. You can ask me questions about steroids, diet, uh, training, um, you know, blood work, troubleshooting side effects. You can ask me about my travels, uh, what countries I've been in, you know, what... Uh, you know, advice on that, and whatever you guys, whatever you guys want uh, today. Um, okay, so Cast Jacked asks, "What is the best country for laws about doping and source of great gear and growth hormone? Somewhere where the growth hormone is direct from the pharmacy would be amazing." Okay, in Turkey, right now, Turkey is the best country for over-the-counter. Um, anabolic type medications um, you, you don't need a prescription in Turkey to buy prescription well okay so in Turkey the you don't need a you don't need a prescription to buy medicine at the pharmacy pharmacy okay um, and Turkey has stuff like uh, Pfizer genotropin pens 36 IUs and in Turkish lira uh, equivalent because when you're in Turkey you have to of course use their currency but the exchange rate on the Turkish lira for you know what it would cost to buy a genotropin pen at a pharmacy in Turkey 36 IUs it's the equivalent of only like 90 to 100. 
let me think of of other of some other stuff they have. They have Anna, um, and then they have um, Bolin, uh one one milliliter ampules, and it's not expensive either. It's very cheap. Um, and, and the uh, the one the one milliliter ampules they're they're in Remabolin boxes. You know, there's no P on the Primabolin. And then they have like Sustanon. Um, yeah, those are pretty much like the main pharmacy anabolics in Turkey, like Pfizer Genotropin, um, Sustanon by Originon, um, Bayer Primabolin, and Anapolin Anadrol. And, and then there's whatever other medicine at the pharmacies too, but as far as like anabolics that are you know, commonly available. It's those ones that I just mentioned. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at some more uh, chat messages from something. Okay, okay, so, so question from the same guy. You know, somebody also asked, do they have Andriol? And yeah, pretty much everywhere has Andriol, but that stuff sucks, okay? So Andriol is test on tablets or capsules that you take and it like absorbs into your lymphatic system and it's supposed to give you like a stable testosterone level. But the results on that stuff is shit as far as like the effects that it gives people speaking from experience um, and watching people who use it. Like anytime with TRT or whatever like that, that you're trying to get away from injections when you're trying to like use testosterone cream or you're you're trying to to use a pellet, or or um, y- you know a capsule. Look, none of that is good. It's all going to deliver really lackluster results that are not what you're looking for. When when the type of when people think of the effects of testosterone, what they want to get is the effects of injectable testosterone, and the ones that they're really thinking about um, when they think about like stereotype of what testosterone would do to you mentally is they're talking about testosterone propionate because that's the one that really affects you mentally the testosterone enanthate testosterone recipientate doesn't affect you so much mentally but sustenon has propionate in it so that's why sustenon does affect you um, like that um and then <laughs> that feel when you colostomy bag says that feel when you get the keys for the lamborghini <laughs> um Okay, have you noticed shedding from some compounds? Not male pattern baldness, just shedding, but the hair grows back. I haven't noticed shedding, um, but when I, as I've gotten older though, like my hairline has had some, like just typical things that happen uh, when guys get older, like above 30, Um, like this area like here, I, I think it used to be forward a little bit more, like the, the area, you know, like on the side of the front of my head. You know how guys that get a little bit older, it kind of like comes back a little bit in this area right right here from the like the, the side diagonal front of the head. So as I've gotten older, I've gotten that. But I've used every steroid in the book, and I've never gotten any kind of specific hair loss from using a steroid. Or, um, like, you know, it, it's not like Mastron gave me hair loss or like Trend gave me hair loss or something like that. 
it, it, I've never I've never had any experiences like that. I don't seem to have the gene for male pattern baldness because if you look at like the back of my head too, you know, you see there's there's no shedding or whatever in in the back of my head. <laughs> there's just that little like age related stuff like in that area. Okay, let's look at another question. Where's the damn live chat? Okay, uh, Zephyr asks, hey Dan, just started running 800 test, 500 equipoise. I'm running MK677, 12.5 milligrams on the days you train. Is metformin worth taking with that or peptides like hyaluronan or should I just wait until I run HGH? Well, MK677 raises your blood sugar a lot. Probably more from the like test results I've seen, probably more than moderate doses of regular growth hormone. Um, so, you, you know, I definitely don't think MK677 is very healthy. It puts on a lot of water retention, which increases your blood pressure. Um, it, yeah, and it increases your blood sugar, your blood glucose. It can give you diabetes. I would use metformin if, if I, I mean, have I used uh, MK677 before? Yeah. Um, I don't like it. I, I think that that product is, I think it sucks. It does nothing for bodybuilding. It increases your IGF-1 levels on a fucking piece of paper test you can take. That's all it does. It changes the results on a, a test on a piece of paper. But as far as like having results with your body changing the way it looks, it doesn't do an, a damn thing. The only thing it does is just coat your skin in water. You know, you guys are so worried about, you know, high testosterone doses and how that's going to make you hold water. What about MK677? I swear a lot. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, I'm going to be polite. Um, I would take metformin if I were you. I don't want diabetes. Diabetes is horrible. And, and so when, when you get diabetes, you know, with bodybuilding, you want the exact opposite of, of, of diabetes. Uh, you you want to have super high insulin sensitivity. Um, which is why metformin is a valuable drug. And if you were going to use something like MK677, I would definitely use metformin with it because it's really a powerful medication. And all of the people who have diabetes are on metformin because it makes them respond better to the insulin that they inject. So if you don't have diabetes yet, you can make it so that your body is going to respond better to the natural insulin that it produces and make it need to produce less of that insulin to get the right response, to get the, the energy content from your blood out of the bloodstream and into the cells. So uh, it, it reduces your blood, your blood glucose quite a bit, like powerfully, metformin. Um, and it does it in an opposite way of diabetes from insulin insensitivity. And then it's a similar thing with like growth hormone use or MK677 use, et cetera. 
where you're using those, you're becoming more susceptible to diabetes because your blood glucose is raising and they're decreasing your insulin sensitivity. So you can pharmacologically combat that by using metformin. And for most guys, a dosage between fifth, like breakfast and dinner, it's that's a good starter dose. But you'll get the really more powerful effects from 2,000 milligrams per day metformin. So 1,000 milligrams morning, 1,000 milligrams night. So, you know, all these guys who are like gurus and shit who, who talk shit about metformin, they actually use metformin. And they use it with their athletes. They use it with their guys. I don't know why they talk shit about it online. I It really, like baffles me that you know so so many of them are talking shit about metformin because so many of their athletes have to use metformin to prevent them from having diabetes these guys are using 10 plus IUs of growth hormone consistently you, you know for for years you can't do that and not develop um, insulin insensitivity you have to use metformin in order to do that um, so I don't, I don't know what the, the fucking hate for metformin is. So many people who talk shit about it actually use it or give it to their clients. Um, yeah, that's metformin. Okay. I don't think metformin works very good with just steroids, though. If you want to lose weight, it works good for that. But if you want like more veins, harder, fuller muscles, um, increased strength and everything, it's the combination of metformin with growth hormone that causes that. So, um, you know, steroids with growth hormone, or sorry, steroids with metformin, that's not really gonna get you like big full muscles the way that growth hormone with metformin will. Metformin is a game changer for response to growth hormones. So it's T4, the L-thyroxine, uh, 200 micrograms per day when you're taking growth hormone. That plus metformin are, are two game changers. And then, and then of course, there's insulin as well. Growth hormone has to be dressed up. Growth hormone doesn't work good for performance enhancement and physique alone. So if you just took growth hormone, right, and you took a lot of it, and that was the only performance-enhancing drug that you were using. It, it really would do nothing. It, it, would, it would not exert the effect that you wanted it to. Uh, the growth hormone has to have steroids in there to activate it, to make it work for performance enhancement, okay? So that's like the basic minimum requirement is that anabolic steroids have to be in the mix, and then you add growth hormone, and now the growth hormone makes your metabolism uh, more disposed to doing what the steroids want to do. It, it, it's it's kind of like adding a supercharger to the steroids. But I'm trying to just explain this point right now that growth hormone doesn't work alone. So it's really important to add these other things in with it if you want a really good result. Um, you know, if I use growth hormone, I'm really sure that I'm also taking T4 thyroxine, 200 micrograms per day to upregulate the growth hormone response gene mechanisms. 
uh, you know, so it upregulates the part of your genes that are associated with growth hormone response to take T4 when you're using growth hormone. So then your growth hormone becomes more powerful because it's like, you know, it's doing it through gene expression change, but you can imagine what it's doing as like making the receptor more sensitive so that the same dose of growth hormone is having a greater effect. Um, and then the, the other thing is, is the metformin, okay? So the metformin, 2,000 milligrams per day. You do the steroids, the metformin, the T4 thyroxine with the growth hormone. Now you've really dressed the growth hormone up and you get to see you know, the full effects of what growth hormone can really do for you. And when you, when you do it with all those uh, ancillaries in there like that, you'll see pretty cool effects like, you know, being almost impossible to gain body fat, you know. Uh, that's, that's one of the really cool effects you'll get. You'll get a lot more veins, really full, hard muscles that look 3D, square, box-shaped muscles. Um, it, it, I mean, it's, just, it's a game changer. If you're going to get, but see, the thing is, is that if you get on the growth hormone, you, you have to like do it right. Like, like, so, so, it, you know, some people are worried because of like finances or something. So if you're not in the right financial spot to do growth hormone and you're trying to think of like, oh, well, I've, I've got to, you know, maybe I can do some kind of substitute that can give me a similar effect and, and trying to figure out something like that. I really advise not to do it. I really advise not to look for a substitute um and and to just wait until you can or another thing you could do would be to just buy like one or two growth hormone pens 30 ius or so each and then take two or three ius per day and do that for like one or two weeks and um like like 10 20 days or something and and you know people say it's going to take a long time for you to notice the growth hormone that's not true the growth hormone, you, you see the difference in the gym no later than three days after the first shot. So, you know, three weeks, what can growth hormone do for you in three weeks? A lot, a lot. It can make you a lot leaner for one thing without changing your diet. Um, and it also makes you stronger. Um, and the gains from growth hormone don't really go away so much. Like the gains from steroids go away when you stop taking it. All right, let's look at some more questions. Okay, so somebody says, isn't the effect of propionate versus nanthate just effective the most more frequent injections like the lower estrogen? No, the, the speed of delivery of the chemical uh, has a major influence on the perceived um, psychological effect of the drug. So I want to bring up the example of the way that people use recreational drugs okay because you'll notice like the slower routes are like the introductory routes and then more people with more extreme addictions are using faster methods of administration um so so like you know one example could be um eating uh, a, a more a morphine based product you know that's going to have some effects but you know smoking it is going to have more effects and injecting it in straight directly into the bloodstream is going to have more effects and even though you know you're getting different effects here but 
it's the same substance. And the different effects is being dictated by how fast that substance reaches your brain. So that's the thing with testosterone propionate, testosterone suspension, why these feel like different drugs when you take them than testosterone and anthate, testosterone cypionate. It doesn't feel like you took the same thing. It feels like you took a different substance. And that's because of the speed that it goes into your brain. So 100 milligram propionate injection. And that happens, yeah, to propionate, nothing like an anthate, nothing like cypionate. It's like a different drug. Okay, next question. Would I advise, Thor, Thor asks, would I advise people of 40 plus to start using Lantus as a base? No. You, you know, Lantus is a powerful drug, okay? And it works good for strength. It works good for size, etc. But again, when you're... So, so you, you have to balance... Um, I could understand putting more risk on the table for that. But for a guy who's not doing that, you can still get to where you want to go without doing this thing that's going to cause you problems. So when we use insulin, any type of insulin, Lantus, Humalog, whatever, we're creating a super, super physiological effect in our body. And the insulin receptor is very sensitive. It's able to sensitize and desensitize it through uh, really, really powerfully, okay? So if you start giving more insulin than your body is naturally making, your insulin receptors immediately start down-regulating to have less of a response to this insulin, okay? So this, the moment that you inject insulin, it, it starts doing this, okay? Down-regulating down the insulin receptors. And um, it makes you predisposed to visceral fat, for one thing. You see guys with, like, really big, hard guts, and you wonder, like, what is that? Well, a, a lot of the times, you know, it's it's not just, um, you, you know, like organ growth or intestine growth. Uh, you, you know, um, it's visceral fat from using insulin. You'll notice that the insulin users are the guys that really have that really hard turtle shell gut look um, more often than, than other guys. And it's because it makes you susceptible to accumulating fat around your organs. So now instead of, uh, you know, having the fat above the muscle and under the skin, you're getting fat surrounding your organs. And so you can still have a lean stomach because usually guys using insulin are also using growth hormone. Growth hormone directly targets the fat on the surface of the stomach, the subcutaneous fat. So they'll have a lean stomach but, uh, you know, ripped stomach, but inside, under their stomach, um, under the muscle, there's a lot of fat in there. And, and uh, it, it takes a long time to get rid of that once you've got it. And you can't use insulin at all while you're trying to get rid of it. <laughs> so insulin's pretty dangerous stuff. That's what I'm saying, you know, saying like, should you use insulin as a base? And, and my answer is no. You got to be, you should be using stuff that is low risk as your base. Um, 
if you've got to experiment with some of this higher risk stuff, use it short term. No base. Um, all right, next question. Okay. Is Shred asks, is DECA really heart toxic like one study claims? So, so steroids promote cardiovascular disease. Um, exercise does too. When you exercise, you are making your heart want to adapt um, and become a more powerful pusher of blood throughout the body. And so it will try to do this by thickening the left ventricle, which is the main pumping chamber of the heart. But when the wall of the heart thickens, it doesn't thicken on the outside. It grows in on itself. So what happens is you get that stronger left ventricular wall, but there's no more space in the chambers anymore for the blood to pool and fill for that left ventricle to push because the muscle of the heart grew in on itself and took up the space that used to be the chamber. So left ventricular hypertrophy is like, it's really disgusting. If you look at pictures of what it looks like when the heart grows in on itself, um, that's one method through which the combination of exercise and steroids causes heart damage. Um, and then, you know, another one is just like, a, you, like cardiovascular, cardiovascular disease, basically just standard cardiovascular disease where, you know, you get plaques in your arteries, you get plaques in your veins, you get plaques in your, your heart, and then these plaques grow and they become larger, taking up more space in the vein, more space in the artery. And eventually, you know, the artery or the vein is clogged. And, um, you know, at that point, uh, your body either has to reroute um, the blood supply uh, and, and create like a new vein or something or, or have serious damage. Um, so you don't want cardiovascular disease. And okay, so how, how, how can one avoid cardiovascular disease? Okay, well, one thing is is you have to do cardio every day for one hour because this has a bigger effect on your cholesterol than anything else. And the, the worst part of the cholesterol is the LDL cholesterol if it's too high because the LDL cholesterol is when you have, like, inflammation in your circulatory system and there's, yeah, inflammation from, from whatever you've been doing, okay? The LDL cholesterols, they stick to those inflamed spots inside your circulatory system and they become plaques, okay? So that, that having a, a bad LDL cholesterol is like one way of promoting the progression of cardiovascular disease. Um, and then, the, and then the, the other thing is um, the left ventricular hypertrophy. So nabivalol, which is a beta blocker, and telmisartan, which is angiotensin receptor antagonist, um, they both reduce blood pressure and guard against left ventricular hypertrophy, threaten, uh, thickening of the heart. And if you already have it, those drugs can reverse it. 
Um, so, so Nabibolol, Telmisartan, very uh, good drugs to try. Um, one that promotes plaque, or sorry, one that prevents plaque from being laid down in your arteries is famotidine, which is known by the brand name Pepsid AC. It's, a, it's an antacid tablet, but it has what's called a chelating effect on calcium. So it absorbs calcium ions and uh, then removes them from the body. So it's mainstream medicine doesn't acknowledge chelation therapy, but a lot of people with cardiovascular disease use chelation therapy with good results. Um, so yeah, uh, there's the Bibolol, there's Telmosartan, there's Famotidine. Uh, you know, do not underestimate the cardio either because you get something like a 35% improvement in your, card or in your cholesterol levels by doing 60 minutes of low intensity cardio per day. It's really essential to your health, you know, and, and you know, you're using steroids that are bad for your heart. You know, you're doing really high intensity exercise which is also very stressful for your heart and puts an adaptation response uh, pressure on it. So it's a good idea to take some precautions to stop that from happening. Aspirin is good to prevent blood clots, uh, pulmonary embolism, thrombosis, stuff like that. Um, and then blood pressure too, you know, if you have high blood pressure, um, it, it will cause the inflammation in your in your arteries and everything. And then the, the plaques, the cholesterol will start sticking to there, okay? So you gotta maintain your blood pressure. You gotta do your cardio. And then if you're worried, you, you know, still, you, you, got, you gotta, you, you could take these preventative medications. Okay, so that's, that's cardiovascular disease, the number one killer in bodybuilding. Um, okay, and, and just uh, Nicolaj says blood pressure too high, 145 over 70, 105 kilograms. Um, so it's too high, yeah, it, it's, it's too high. Your, your lower number, your, your, diet, your diastolic number is fine, but the top number, the systolic number is too high. And what it looks like is happening with you is your heart is slamming hard. So you'll see this with a lot of steroid users. It's pretty common to have this high systolic number and then an okay diastolic number. The diastolic is the pressure in your veins when your heart is between beats. And then the systolic is the pressure in your veins when your heart is like mid-beat at its peak, okay? So the highest pressure and, and then and then the lowest pressure. Systolic is highest pressure, diastolic lowest. And um, so, so if the heart is beating harder, slamming its valves harder, then that peak pressure, the systolic number is going to be higher. And so steroids have a stimulant effect. And some steroids have more of a stimulant effect than others. And some people are more affected by these side effects than others too. So I will just let you guys know right now that out of the hundreds of people that I see from uh, doing you know, training and, and helping people get ready for contests and stuff, 
having a heart rate between 85 to 100 on moderate to high doses of trenbolone is pretty common. Um, and just in general, for guys who are just doing steroid cycles, probably 50% of them that I see have a heart rate somewhere between 80 to 90 beats per minute. This is too high. And if you do have a, a fast heart rate like this, um, it's a sign that also your heart's probably beating pretty hard as well. So fast beating and hard beating, um, not, not good. Uh, how you deal with that though, um, specifically to stop the heart from pounding so hard, having that, that pound, 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 where it really like the, the valve, um, a beta blocker is what works for that. And, and the Bibolo is, is a really good one for athletes. That's why I usually talk about that instead of other beta blockers. Um, and so it's going to slow down your heartbeat and it's going to uh, reduce the force of the contractions and help your heart to maintain a steady rhythm. So I, I, I would use, if I had a, a high systolic blood pressure, but a low diastolic blood pressure, and I was on steroids, uh, doing the nabivolol would be what I would, what I would choose. Um, Telmisartan won't slow down your heart. It'll reduce your pressure. Uh, but since steroids have a direct action on the heart, and depending on your genetics, you know, how hard, how fast your heart is beating, to me it makes the most sense to go and then, you know, try to block that effect using a beta blocker like Nabilolol. All right, let's look at another question. Um, extra benefit from taking propanolol with nabivolol? Uh, no, I would not combine beta blockers unless a doctor has told you to do that. Um, when you're dealing with drugs that are controlling the speed and rhythm and, um, like the yeah the speed and rhythm of your heart I don't think you should be playing games <laughs> I don't think you should be doing mix and match and you know combos of these at the same time and you know you could end up hurting yourself pretty badly it's the same thing with, with diuretics when people get into drum uh, mixing mixing diuretics because then they don't know what antidote they need in order to because when your electrolytes get fucked up from diuretics, your heart will go out of rhythm and that can kill you. But if you've taken multiple different diuretics, you don't know what the antidote you need is. What is the electrolyte? Um, you, you know, because you, you're now kind of guessing. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that, that's diuretics, but it's the same, same kind of principle with the beta blockers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fuck around with beta blockers at all. If they're going to be used, they, they should be used like, super carefully. And these are the kind of drugs, too, that, like, your doctor will give you if you just ask him. You know, Telmisartan, Nebevalol, 
uh, famotidine. You can just go buy that at the store, OTC at Walmart. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's Pepsi AC. And, uh, you know, you know, aspirin, what, what, whatever. You know, if you need a little diuretic, if you need a little beta blocker, if you need a little uh, blood pressure help, you know, the doctors, that's what they're there for. And they they're, they really uh, like to give prescriptions like that. That's not something they're opposed to. And when you talk to doctors, you can ask them for what you want. You don't just have to let them, you know, dictate to you, okay? They assume you don't know a fucking thing because most people don't. Most uh, human beings don't know anything about what kind of medicine exists, what the different qualities of the medicine is, and what receptors and shit like that. So how the fuck would he know that you know about that stuff? So he's just going to prescribe whatever one, you know, is, you know, who knows, you know. But if you have a specific one that you think is a good match for you, then tell him that. And tell him the reason why you think it's a, a good match for you. And he should be flexible with you. And it's been my experience that doctors, even general practitioners, if you show that you know what you're doing and uh, you you uh, know about the medicine and you ask to try a certain one, yeah, they'll let you try it. I've never had any problems with it. They, they, they've always been really good with me about that. So I, I think, you know, you, you can get a good, you can, get, you can do it too. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's take another question. Um, whoa, this is a weird one. Chicken Rice and Trend asks, big question. When I touch my Johnson, it gets white. Pressure effect is it means I got high estradiol. Same goes for chest side. Bro, that is such a bizarre question. I have no answer at all <laughs> okay your cock is turning white that could be for any fucking number of reasons how the fuck would I know what's causing that um next question uh Ezra says is it bad that I never take an AI even up to 750 tests I just don't get nipple problems so I don't take it if you feel good then why would you take a medicine um, you should you should be taking medicine to improve your quality of life, to improve your health and stuff like that. If you get a blood test and your estrogen is super high, then then I would try bringing it down into the normal range, and I I would see if that made you feel better. And if it didn't, then I would go back to doing what you were doing before. Um, it is healthiest to keep estrogen in the normal range. You know, when you take steroids, you want to increase the male hormones. You don't want to increase the female hormones. So doing this thing like, oh, we want this ratio. Ratios and hormones is bullshit. That is, that's like something that was made up. So, you know, like your ratio of testatran or your ratio of masteron to winstrol. Like, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Okay, just take the dose of the drug that works. There's no ratio, okay? You take the dose of the drug that works and does what you want it to do. The ratio, that doesn't do a damn thing, okay? So it's the same thing with the estrogen, okay? So, so 
when we take steroids, we want to increase our male hormones. We don't want to increase our female hormones. So when people say like, oh, well, if you increase your, your male hormones three times, then you've got to increase your female hormones too to get the right ratio and balance it. For most people, that's, that's not going to be good. That's not going to feel good for them. That, that's not a good thing to listen to. You should keep it in the normal range as if you weren't taking steroids. Why the fuck would you be increasing your female hormones outside the normal range to be a manly, uber, super manly man, extreme masculinity, bodybuilder, high male hormones guy, and you've got high estrogen. That's dumb. AI should be used on an as-needed basis. That's my final quote, quote on this. If this guy's not using AI on 750 milligrams test and he's feeling good, don't take it. If you're feeling bad, take it. And with the guys that I coach, the guys I train, you know, I, I have like a like series of questions that they can ask themselves each morning um, to determine whether or not they need to take AI that day. I, I've really developed the science here with taking the AI, and, and my method is the best method. I'm very confident in that, because um, I've, I've, I've used it myself for a long time and then experimented on you know more than, than a thousand people. And um, this is the method that gives the best uh, quality of life, that gives the best sexual function, the best mood, etc., best energy chat okay what do you think about Duker asks what do you think about 3IU HGH one hour before uh, sorry that stream cut out for a minute there I to turn it back on let me see if I can uh, pick up where, where I was at um Okay, yeah, what do you think about 3IU HGH whenever for workout with one gram test, 200 trend, no metformin or T4? Why no metformin or T4? So that's the thing is, is that those are cheap medications. The growth hormone is really expensive medication. So why don't you want to make the best performance, the best effect out of your growth hormone? Um, I'm not going to insist that you use the other drugs but I'm telling you that you're missing out on 50% of the gains by not using them, and they're super cheap. So that's what I think you should do. You know, you asked me, you know, what do I think about that? That's what I think about that. Um, all right, looking for another question here. Um, what are your thoughts about low-dose aspirin every day? It's good. I do low-dose aspirin every day. I take, I take 80 micrograms of aspirin. Sorry, not 80 micrograms. 80 milligrams of aspirin every day to thin my blood. So when you take testosterone or any other male hormone, it increases the amount of red blood cells that your body makes. So the amount of red blood cells in a certain volume of liquid blood is higher. 
So you have more substance inside a solution, which increases the viscosity, the thickness. And you don't want that. Okay, you don't want to be pushing around a thicker, sludgier substance rather than a more liquefied substance. And so since steroids directly increase the um, thickness of the, the blood substance, we've got to do something to balance that. So one, one thing you can do is, is you can uh, do blood donation. Uh, you can do phlebotomy, you know, getting rid of blood generally like 450 milliliters at a time, which brings the hematocrit down three points or the hemoglobin down about 1%. And so, so that's, that's a way to deal with this blood thickening effect of gear. Another way is to take daily aspirin. And the best way to do it is to do both. Since, especially if like you've got a problem, right? So a lot of guys, it's genetic how much red blood cells you make from a certain dose of steroids. And different steroids do it more than other steroids. So it's, it's like if you, okay, so if you're consistently getting readings, like every time you get your blood drawn and it's like always at the top of the normal range for hematocrit or hemoglobin or near the top of the range, that, then that person should consider, in my opinion, taking daily aspirin because that's gonna reduce the amount of platelets which are clotting agents in their blood. So their blood's gonna be more runny. It's gonna be more thin and it's not gonna clot so easily. So for example, like if you get cut or you get a bloody nose, it'll take a little bit longer for it to stop bleeding if you've been taking aspirin frequently. But it's really healthy, you know. It's an anti-inflammatory too. You should take it with a little bit of food, you know. You don't want to take aspirin on an empty stomach because it's highly acidic. And if you do that often, it can cause problems like an ulcer. Uh, so as long as you have a little bit of food to take it with, it's fine to take it every day. And, you know, uh, the endocrinologist that I use for TRT, he also takes aspirin every day and he also uses testosterone, okay? All right, let's get on to another question. Um, okay, D Major just asks, he's asking, you know, what should I run Primo? And he says something about ratios. Anyways, the ratio doesn't matter. So you gotta take the testosterone dose that works for you, okay? So you should have found a testosterone dose by now that works for you, you know? So it, you know, whether that dose is 500, 750, 1,000, 1,500, it doesn't matter. Take the dosage of testosterone that works for you for getting big and getting strong. And now take a dosage of primobulbin that is going to give the desired effect, okay? So 300 milligrams per week, 400 milligrams per week, it can, it, it can and will help you gain muscle and give you a better um, cosmetic effect, more round muscles. Um, but it's not going to be to a thousand milligrams, which is where like, if you want the effect of, you can tell that you're on something and, and you're, you're feeling like, not only does this primable and work and I'm gaining muscle, but I can feel that I'm on some shit right now. 
you know, kind of the, the way that you'll feel if you take D-ball, Anadrol, Trend, something like that, where you're like, damn, I'm on something. That, then it's the 700 to 1,000 milligram range, okay? So you take your, your testosterone dose that you like and that works for you, and then you pick your premium dose that works for whatever the goal it is that you have, and you put them together. You know, all the ratio stuff, that that's not going to benefit you too much. Um, Mark asks, I find Anivar is noticeable for ramping the beats per minute of the heart. I find Hawthorne Berry helps to lower blood pressure. Okay, good, good. Using a natural sub uh, supplement to lower blood pressure, good. And yeah, Anivar is definitely a stimulant. Um, has pretty significant brain effects. You know, people say like, oh, Anivar has no side effects. And generally, like physically it doesn't, but it does have brain side effects that are pretty prominent. So a lot of people get headaches with Anivar. A lot of people get irritable or bitchy with Anivar. Um, the faster heart rate, like this other guy was saying, that's another typical Anivar effect. Um, okay, let's look, look at some other questions. Uh, okay, Slender Mender asks, intermittent fasting for cutting thoughts is good as an energy um, consumption modulator, okay? So if you want to get cut, you can't eat that much energy sources. You can't eat that much fat. You can't eat that much carbohydrates, okay? You can eat all the protein you want, and the protein is actually thermogenic, and it helps you burn fat, makes your metabolism go faster. So lean proteins, things like, uh, you know what lean proteins are, okay? Those are really effective thermogenic uh, fat-burning foods, but if you want to get lean, you can't be having a lot of alternative energy sources other than your body's own body fat. So carbohydrates, you know, basically very small quantities only are going to benefit you, you know, like 100 grams or, or like 150 grams per day. More than that, and you're working against yourself when it comes to fat loss. And, and with, the, with the, like using fat too, like dietary fat, it's pretty similar. It's, it's around like maybe 60, 70 grams. And if you go over that, you're kind of like slowing down your fat loss. So generally it would just like, if, if you're having trouble getting lean and you're thinking like, how can I do this? What you want to do is you want to get your protein up really high. So minimum like 300 grams of protein, like somewhere between like three to 400 grams of protein per day for meat, but make it lean protein, okay? And then you can eat green vegetables, eat a lot of green vegetables, but you're not really eating like, you know, any other carbs really, you know, and, and the same thing with the fats, you know, maybe for breakfast you have eggs and that's your fats for the day or something. But if you're looking to get really lean fast, like this is the method, this is what works. Very high protein, not a lot of carbs, not a lot of fats. You get the building blocks, the building blocks of the body, the protein, but the energy sources, the carbs and the fats, you keep it really low to make your body use its body fat energy source and you just keep the the building blocks of the body there with the protein and stop your metabolism from shutting down from 
eating a lot of protein too. Um, okay. Swaggy ass side effects of high estrogen. Um, itchy burning nipples. Um, trouble with urinating, urination problems. So like not enough urine coming out when you needed to go pee and you needed to go really bad, but like not much came out or like a weak stream, a stream that doesn't shoot as far as it's supposed to, um, or having to go, yeah, really frequently. Um, these are all signs that your prostate is swollen, which happens when your estrogen gets high. Um, other estrogen signs of being high would be like whitehead acne, uh, specifically whitehead acne. Um, that is unusual for you. Um, and then the other one would be really deep water retention lines on your skin. So like if you sat down on the couch for 10, 15 minutes and you stood up, it was like you had lines all over your skin uh, or designs or whatever from whatever the shape of the couch or whatever was. So those are the four most reliable signs of having high estrogen. They're like anecdotal that you can use as indicators. All right, get another question here. No, you do not need a PCT to bring back thyroid from T4. Uh, T4 is inactive thyroid hormone. And, um, you know, with T3, I do feel like it takes seven to 10 days for the natural thyroid to come back. But with T4, it, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't skip a beat. Feel, you never feel like you're low on anything when you come off of it. Um, all right. Yeah, one, one gram test, one gram primo is, is a really good cycle. I really like that cycle. It works fucking amazing. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Does subcutaneous moth and flame acid, does subcutaneous injections have less risk of infection in comparison with intramuscular? Correct. Subcutaneous injections have less of an injection risk than intramuscular. Intravenous injections have the highest infection risk. Um, I don't like taking oil-based hormone shots into subcutaneous body fat because it balls up and it just sits there in the fat. So, and then it like slowly absorbs over the the course of like two to three weeks just really annoying having like a ball of oil sitting in your fat in your skin for like two or three weeks that's really annoying uh so unless you're doing very small shots that are like a tenth of a milliliter or something um i don't like that i just don't like the idea of putting steroids into my fat anyways that it i don't like fucking with the roots of administration that work okay so you know we got like all these like new ways to do shit and stuff and it's like no 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 no. wait a second the guys who were doing things the old way those are the ones that most people even want to fucking look like these days you know most people don't want to look like these people winning the mr olympia now i mean it's pretty disgusting you're you're a complete complete freak on a whole nother level and and women are not attracted to that you know 
So, so that's not what a lot of you guys are, are going after. Uh, so, you don't have to do everything so new. The, the old way that the old guys did it was a good way. Um, you don't need you don't need to do subcutaneous test shots. Uh, can gyno come back after surgery? Yes, gyno can come back after surgery if they left part of the gland, which normally the surgeon does. So, with people who have gyno surgery, their nipple kind of collapses. So instead of having like a slight projection, which is the way it's supposed to look, it actually becomes an indentation where the nipple goes, it looks like it is inverted and it kind of like goes into the body instead of flat the way it's supposed to be. So that happens a lot more when they take out the whole gland in the nipple. And normally they don't because they don't want it, you know, the, the surgeon doesn't want to have that bad cosmetic outcome where you have a nipple that is inverted. So they'll leave a little bit of the gland. And if they leave a little bit of the gland like that, it can grow back, the gyno. It can become full-on gyno again, the same as it was before. Um, so that's going to be the one situation where, yeah, gyno can come back if they didn't take out all the gland. And generally, if you want them to take out all the gland, you have to specifically ask for that because that's not really the way that they do things on their own. All right, guys, so I'm going to uh, sign off for this podcast now. Um, I'll be back in a few days or in a week or something. Yeah, I know you guys, I was gone for too long, long hiatus, but... Now, now everything's good again, so I'll <laughs> be getting on here more and talking to you guys. But yeah, it was good chatting today. Good answering your guys' uh, anabolic questions, and uh, talk to you guys later. Make sure to buy Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate agenda and no hidden motives. Not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to Lamborghini. Gives it's a crime. This information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. <laughs>